is MakerDAO's endgame on Solana? David, what are we looking at here? Okay, so Rune Christensen puts out this tweet that like rocked the Ethereum community in the broader crypto world, I say. And he just says, the last phase of Endgame is the launch of a native blockchain for Maker with code name NewChain. It will make the ecosystem more secure and efficient. After some research, I believe the Solana code base should be considered as the basis for NewChain. Solana? It is the second Friday of September, and it is time for what, David? The Bankless Friday Weekly Rollup, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, and that is always an ambitious endeavor. And Ryan and I are squeezed for time today, so we're gonna go so fast through this agenda. We're gonna go so fast, David. It's gonna take us 90 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a promise. You can commit that to the blockchain, settlement assurances. David, it's good to see you, man. Back from Burning Man. I'm glad you came back. Destroying some horror cruxes. Do you hear the the Twitter rumor? What? You're destroying Horcruxes. Oh, Everything yeah, I you did go, hear that. Every time you go away, something bad happens to Gary Gensler. I know. Like he loses a court case. I'm I'm aware of what happens. <laughs> so what are you really doing, my friend? What am I really doing? Was I truly a Burning Man? How did I get back so soon from Burning Man and, while everyone else got stuck? What's the deal with that? Yeah, and when are you going uh, again? When am because, I leaving uh, next? You know, yeah, next court I actually case. do not have another trip planned that's not a crypto <laughs> conference for a while. So Gary Gensler is going to be, he's going to rest rest okay for now. Well, well when, I mean, he's already gone, losing. Yeah, he is. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, but when, when you're gone, some things happened. So uh, the first is MakerDAO, at least Rune Christensen, said the final stage of endgame for MakerDAO is Solana? Mm-hmm. Question mark. We're going to talk about that. Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, also in Solana world, Visa announces it's going to settle USDC on Solana while simultaneously this week the base layer 2 sees a halt in block production did solana take the dub this week <laughs> wow wow okay but yeah. in, in, including to the, those dubs uniswap takes a dub in the courts adding to the tally of crypto dubs and tradfi l's and then also i did not see this coming but justin bieber drops an nft that i give two thumbs up for quality, Wait, really? quality and integrity. It's a good. You've looked at this? I, well, I, I didn't. I didn't mint it. I'm not a Justin Bieber fan. I'm not not a Justin Bieber fan. Um, but <laughs> uh, this NFT is not like all the others. So we will talk about why this NFT is different and what it means for as a model for future NFT drops. Oh, good job, Biebs, uh, in advance. <laughs> Guys, before we get in today, there's a message from our friends and sponsors over at Ave. David, you ever use Ave? I'm currently using Ave. Oh my God, Ave is the best. Uh, and Ave wants us to let you know that Ave V3 is here. And why are we telling you this now? Uh, Ave V3 actually, David came out in yeah. January yeah, yeah. of this year, mm-hmm. which means it's a bit more hardened, it's a bit more tested, and there is some uh, protocol liquidity to migrate mm. from V2 to the new Ave. So that is the message. There are some benefits that come with Ave V3. Uh, do you know what those are, David? Oh, um, there's a handful of them. There's more efficiency. There's reduced gas prices for swapping. I, you can you can swap collateral without having to like unwind trade on Uniswap and then put it back in. Ave will just do all that for you. I'm doing this from memory. Is there anything else? What, what else did I miss? No, you got it. Uh, asset isolation yep. mode. So you, there's lower risk for different asset pools, all of those things. So if you are an Ave V2 user, then you can move your assets from V2 to V3 with an easy migration tool. That's on app.ave.com. Oh, and if you're a builder, by the way, so Ave just released their Go stablecoin, if you remember that, yep. and they are funding anyone who is building on top of Go. So there's a link in the show notes, avegrants.org, where you can get your grant on if you're building something on Go. That's it, man. You ready to get to the markets? I'm ready to get to the markets, yeah. 
Okay, here we go. Bitcoin on the week. Tell us, what are we looking at? Everything is flat. Everything, the whole, the whole markets are flat. Should, should we call it good? <laughs> Nothing has <laughs> happened. <laughs> so you're telling me, yeah, Bitcoin's flat. ETH is flat. We could just cut in last week's prices flat. from last episode, and it would be the exact same. Man, pancake flat. I feel, I feel like that's like been the last month yes. or yeah, so, yeah, yeah. last six weeks. I mean, we're we're, we just... we're we're incrementally downwards. Like ETH is low right now, sixteen thirty. That is a low price. Mm. Bitcoin at twenty five thousand eight hundred. That's a low price. Things are yeah. low. Yeah. Are you feeling in the mood to buy? I, these I bought last week. I mean, I I buy if I don't do anything, I buy because of reoccurring buys. I mean, anything below like. 2k but yeah, yeah, if yeah. we get below 1500 on ether that is like yeah, a like, buy zone yeah, right, right, right. You, you, wait 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 do you think we could get back to triple digit ETH, david shut, move, moving on do you moving think on. we could get no. back to triple, digit to triple digits <laughs> oh, below man. 1500 is on the table like that's totally reasonable Three digits well, is not not on the table. If we get to triple digits, then I called it, okay, and I never capitulated. You uncalled it. I, I, you uncalled no, it like no, three No ago. uncallbacks, all right? I called <laughs> it I- once. That counts if it dips. <laughs> all right, well, we'll see what's in store in this crab market. And thanks to Kraken, as always, for providing these glorious charts, even though nothing at all is happening on them. Uh, here are some charts that things are happening on. This is on layer two beat. Mm. We got uh, TVL going up. We got scaling factor going up. Let's see. Let me look at the I seven think actually day. It's down because of prices. Oh. <laughs> three and a half percent down. We're below ten billion dollars oh. on, on on layer twos. All right. It, How about we'll, hold your though. breath. It'll be back up above ten, 10 billion dollars. So, oh my god, that activity chart is so yeah. good. Activity is going. That up. makes me so happy. It's going up. Yeah. Um, There's always also, a bull market uh, somewhere. Well, look at this. Uh, Starknet had a big week this week. Mm-hmm. Apparently, here's an article from the defiant starknet activity surges on token speculation so apparently um somebody tweeted this out maybe from the starknet account a uh, a tweet that was then deleted about starknet tokens mm. so there's some additional speculation going on there's that increased n- there's the no confusion that starknet ha- the, it's, the starknet token is minted there is a contract address. It does exist. That's not what's being up for speculation. This story of how StarkNet tokens becomes distributed is the unknown thing. And I think the reason why it's unknown is the Starkware org is not is hands off, and they are totally giving it up to the foundation and some sort of just like community decided governance about how to distribute the thing. And so, mm. like, I think if you want alpha on StarkNet distribution plans, like, I'm pretty sure that information is public. You just have to go sift through forums I to go find were- it. I thought it would have been distributed by now. I thought they would have kind of. I mean, it is partially being it. distributed. There's not like unlike previous tokens with like retroactive airdrops, blah 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 blah. There's not like mm. one distribution event. They are saying like, okay, like we these people are good and doing valuable stuff. Let's give them some tokens, and then that gets distributed, and then you know repeat this process many many times, and all of a sudden we have a liquid token. Slowly, I don't think the token is liquid though. It's okay. definitely not liquid. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it's liquid. Anyway, we got L two beat activity going up. At least that is going up on the week. Uh, David, how many crypto millionaires do you think there are? Um, Just guess. Top less year this year than last year. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Or two years ago. What? At least. How many? Uh, how many are we talking? How many crypto millionaires are there? Over yeah. ten thousand. Over ten thousand. Not a hundred thousand. Yeah. Everyone in the uh, bankless uh, uh, community, of every, course, every single that has been here since the <laughs> podcast, you know, number one. <laughs> uh, not a maybe up up to a hundred thousand is my final answer. Up to a hundred thousand. All right. Well, here's the answer for you, at least according to Henley and Partners. Uh, really close, David. Um, oh, Eighty-eight thousand two hundred. I'm awesome. total crypto millionaires, according to this uh, this get, report. Get stuff like this correct. 
182 centimillionaires. What is that's that? a hundred million and above, oh, okay. apparently, in crypto, and 22 billionaires in crypto. Only minted 22 billionaires. billionaires. Yeah, and according to this, anyway, this is why I I'm actually not sure of these stats. The total crypto users is 425 million. Okay, this is um, Henley and Partners compiled a crypto wealth report. Apparently they they do this thing for mm. all sorts of other asset classes sure. and they list their methodology on the methodology page. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like- um, I wish there was a standard for Public users. information, yeah. In-house, it's like a proprietary database type right. things. So I don't know how accurate this is, but interesting data set nonetheless. Uh, yeah, millionaires, centimillionaires, cool. and billionaires let's, in crypto. Let's get let's add some zeros onto those numbers. <laughs> Trillionaires? Uh, no, I think the no, dollar the would num- have to. the number of millionaires. Oh. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's, that's the, the same way to thing, say it. but I'd, I'd rather have more millionaires than more trillionaires in crypto. More distribution. Yes. More distribution here. Every, um, I want every single listener of this podcast to be a millionaire. Oh, really? Is that saying something about the uh, the dollar inflating? Because that's the next story I've got for oh, you. Are you ready? That's not what I had in mind, but sure, let's <laughs> well, go there. That's, that's one deficit. shortcut of the way to there. To there. <laughs> we could all be millionaires. <laughs> U.S. deficits explode despite the growing economy. There's actually been, this was a Washington Post article, which I, I don't often see these types of things in like uh, mainstream media, like the Washington Post talking about U.S. deficit explosion. But um, did you know, David, that the deficit, the U.S. deficit this year—that is, um, you know, spending spending more in their kind of their their fiscal their annual budget uh, than than previous years—it's going to rise from about four percent of GDP last year to almost eight percent this year of GDP. So eight percent. So, uh, so of GDP. just understanding this, this means that if the deficit is eight percent of GDP, is that in we, the whole we need to of take eight percent of our economy. The revenue from our economy every single year and pay that to stay flat in our bills well we're going in debt by like eight percent of our gdp every single year so every single year we owe eight percent of our gdp to stay flat yeah right now that's like that this is this is kind of the year Wait, what do you mean to stay flat though so no like that's not, not, not to sink stay flat. further in debt no that is us sinking further in debt oh this this eight percent is basically of our gdp another eight percent in the hole that's what's happening this year. That Maybe feels this large. Make things more clear. It is. It is large. That feels Look large. So uh, this was COVID, right? Big bump in terms of right. deficit. So three point one trillion in twenty twenty. You might expect that two point eight trillion in twenty twenty one. Then it went way down in twenty twenty two. Well, now it's back up to two trillion. And just for some context here, we've only had higher deficits as a share of GDP in nineteen forty two and uh, to nineteen forty five. So those World War three II. years. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> well, you don't remember no, no, that. I, like, I know what those are. Those dates ring a bell. Oh, I know those numbers. Uh, 2009 to 2011. Okay, how's those dates? Okay. And then, and then uh, 2022 and 2021. Okay, COVID. Those are the only years we've had a higher deficit. Wait, but this is a normal year because COVID's behind us. <laughs> I, it's not Wait normal a from second. a deficit perspective. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we kind of have talked about this a little bit. Interest payments going up and some of the, the reasons. Um, tax revenue apparently is way down. So that's another contributing factor. Um, government's going to have to print money out of this one, uh, which maybe brings us to what's going on in Turkey. David, do you want to you read the headline here? Yeah. So this the follow up on this happening right after we talk about deficit is too too good and also in a bad way. Okay. So um, over the last year and a half, adoption in Turkey 
of crypto has increased from 40% to 52% of the Turkish population. So 12% of the Turkish population has adopted crypto in the last year and a half. That's pretty good. Like, and wh why is this happening? Well, Turkey inflation, which is what a deficit in your budget leads to, right? Right, that's the right logic, yes. Turkey reported 60% yeah. inflation in August. So according to this uh, KuCoin article, blog article, our findings in Turkey and other previous country reports, the growing number and percentage of crypto investors indicate an increasing interest in acceptance of crypto as a hedge against inflation, especially with the Turkish lira losing over 50% of its value against the US dollar. So this, is this America's future? Hopefully not, hopefully not soon, but slowly, inevitably, yes. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. So I don't know how reliable these percentages are. The sample size is somewhat small, but I mean, this report is saying 40 to 52% of the Turkish population uh, own some crypto. Yeah, so and, there, there's uh, like an interesting set of countries out there, and mm -hmm. I think it might, it might be uh, data points of two, Argentina and Turkey, of internet-connected developed countries with high inflation are also the like spearhead of crypto adoption. Right. I mean, this is the crypto use case. I mean, you know, some people are like, well, where are the use cases? Where are the use cases? Well, right. when you have a fully developed kind of bank system and you have like Venmo and PayPal mm -hmm. and other things, then uh, normies don't need this as much. When you have capital controls, right. when you have your store of value currency inflating away, well, you very much need this. And it's good to see kind of crypto holding up its use cases where it's most needed. Uh, David, a follow up from last week. All right. We got some maybe good Bitcoin ETF mm -hmm. news. Of course, you heard about the, the court case. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one. Here is a follow-up from one of the analysts in that space who's really tracking this. This is uh, Eric Eric B. What is Eric saying? Eric and his colleague James are saying that they are upping their odds of a spot Bitcoin ETF launching this year up to 75% odds. So three out of four odds. And then also 95% by the end of 2024, which is pretty good. These are just to people's numbers, to informed people's numbers. Um, they said that they previously had a 65% odds of spot Bitcoin ETF launching this year, but since the Grayscale court case, they have uh, upped that to 75%. Basically, they are saying that the SEC has been left with very little wiggle room. Uh, and then they are also adding that beyond the legal loss, this is just overall a PR loss for Mr. Gensler. Sucks to suck. Yeah, it does. Um, by the way, Eric and James, the, these are the people who know. Actually, we had James yeah. on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I did that one solo while you're out. He's absolutely phenomenal. He, he And he tweets a follow-up here. Next dates to watch the middle of October are the next major days to watch for the Bitcoin ETF, namely October 16th. Well, David, something else happened uh, this week as well. And this is, again, from an uh, ETF analyst, Eric B. Boom. Arc just filed for a spot Ether ETF. Mm, the first one, words. probably more coming imminent. All right, we're just talking about a Bitcoin spot ETF potentially getting approved either this year or maybe early next year. And we're talking about those odds. Well, well so that, that is, he says, probably not the only one. That's also true. Uh, a 21 shares that that company also filed for a spot Ether ETF this week too. So they did? Got, yes, I missed that. There's two. There's two. That's, uh, and both, both would like to custody their assets with Coinbase custody. Interesting. I mean, it's it's so great that that Bitcoin is kind of macheting its way through the regulatory you know jungle. And mm -hmm. once it gets a spot Bitcoin ETF approved, then you got to think that the spot Ether ETF is just like months away. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. At least 
if uh, Gary Gensler doesn't get his way. I mean, it seems to be that's 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 going to be what's ha- what's happening because there's no excuse yes. to not follow up with a Gary a, Gensler has their no excuses. Yes, <laughs> the, the dislocation between the fundamentals of this entire industry and the prices, it's like nearing all time highs. It's highs I have yeah. not seen since like 2018 to 2019. Well, are, you, are you telling me it's not priced in? You, you think it's, the, the retail well, ETFs what I say, are like not priced Crypto in? prices are going down and the ETF is becoming more and more assured sooner. Why do you think that's a big deal? So just an ETF Buying product demand. will just big, yeah, pipes, big pipes of money to buy our assets. I mean, you know, one example of this is, uh, you know, financial advisors. Yeah. How many financial advisors do you know? Or how many people do you know? Like just normal people who get their advice from their professional financial advisor, like Edward Jones guy. You mean or the sheep like of this. the world? Yeah, by definition, well, like most sorry. of them. <laughs> the people who don't, you know, pay attention to their finances as much, right? Well, the reason most financial professionals in the U.S. don't actually recommend crypto is because they don't have crypto products. There's recommend. no mechanisms. Yes. Yeah. And so once they get a ETF, which is what they do, right. these types of uh, financial advisors, they just recommend ETFs all day. Right. Imagine what, that, what FTX did for the financial advisors who were trying to say like, yo, like, let's get some crypto in your portfolio. We're going to open up an exchange or crypto exchange just with this company called Coinbase. What's the difference between Coinbase and FTX? Like, I can't explain that to you because I'm just a, I have oh, other things. Oh, they would never advise they would never, They right. would never do that. But now there is a buy this Bitcoin ETF button inside of their Charles Schwab brokerage, which they exactly yeah. all the other assets right so just, just you know, allocate button. two three percent yeah. you know that mm-hmm. that'll probably be the advice coming down the pike yeah. um david this is really cool what are yeah. we looking at here raster lee rock ryan rasmussen fun fact i went to college with him uh uniswap flipped coinbase's spot trading volume in q1 and q2 so two quarters in a row has uniswap uh been the number one source of liquidity versus coinbase that's surprising me is that is that surprising to you i mean it's always been inevitable Man, I know we like we thought this and we predicted this, but like, uh, wow, see it happen. Yeah, it's nice to see it actually actually yeah, work out. Two cool. quarters in a row. Like, how many how many quarters can we get? Maybe, maybe well, four forever in a year. Forever is on for, the table. Forevermore. Forevermore. Coinbase will never exceed uh, yeah. Uniswap. Sorry, Coinbase. Now on. You're doing great. Yeah, what do we but get? Uniswap's great too. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Coming up next. Coming up next, Rune Envision's Maker DAO on a Solana chain. We're going to unpack that. I've actually got some pretty hot takes to, to give. Uh, I, of course, Maker DAO has always been near and dear to my heart. And so I'm going to give my perspective there. I think, I think it's a pretty good perspective. Uh, Arbitrum is releasing Stylus. Stylus is coming to mainnet to do some multi-language building on top of Ethereum to route around the constraints of Solidity. And another big win for DeFi in the court system. We're going to get to all of this and more. This but first, good. a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred exchange for crypto in 2023. Go check them out if you do not have an account. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. 
Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Is MakerDAO's endgame on Solana? David, what are we looking at here? Okay, so Rune Christensen puts out this tweet that like rocked the Ethereum community and the broader crypto world, I say. And he just says, the last phase of endgame, MakerDAO has this endgame plan. So this is the name of this plan. Endgame uh, is the launch of a native blockchain for Maker with code name NewChain. So like the placeholder of a name, calling it NewChain. It will make the ecosystem more secure and efficient. After some research, I believe the Solana code base should be considered as the <gasps> basis for new chain. Solana? Okay, so it's <gasps> not, it has never been like, this is not new information that MakerDAO wanted to put Maker on a chain. That has been part of the fifth phase, the fifth and final phase of MakerDAO's endgame since. So that's not surprising, that's not new, that's not new information. People have just always assumed, oh yeah, you're gonna be a layer two on Ethereum because MakerDAO was born on Ethereum. The MakerDAO project actually started, fun fact, before the first block of Ethereum. It's always been. Uh, Wait, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. They started, that is a fun fact. They started making the planning MakerDAO before Ethereum even launched. Um, and so like crazy to, to think that when they talk about a new chain, they're not talking about like a layer two, especially during this like OP stack fork phenomenon. The first DeFi app I ever used. And yep. actually uh, DeFi pilled me through yep. using this this uh, janky janky version of right. MakerDAO back in the day. Right. Remember remember Peeth? Jesus. Um, <laughs> Peth, yeah. Peth, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So then, and then Rune just shocks the world saying we're going to use Solana as the code base. Uh, implying like there's a lot of things that that implies, but uh, we'll, we'll go through some of the technical details. Uh, okay, so um, the purpose of the new chain is specifically to allow the ecosystem to use hard forks to gracefully recover from severe forms of governance attacks or technical failures. Uh, and allows the, also the system to deal with the eight years of technical debt in the MakerDAO protocol. So like, you know, clean slate for MakerDAO. Um, new chain will contain the back end of Maker Protocol and its sub-DAOs. So MakerDAO sub-DAOs, it's um, going from like a singular monolithic central bank plus commercial bank all in the same system. Um, and it's breaking that out into just the central bank of MakerDAO, the issuer of DAI, and then sub-DAOs like its own commercial banking layer. So it's breaking these out into different DAOs, different orgs, and so becoming modular. Um, and so the governance, the back end of these systems, the supporting infrastructure of this system will be hosted on NewChain. All user-facing products like DAI, for example, the product of MakerDAO and systems will be untouched and remain on Ethereum or its layer twos or wherever DAI exists out in the crypto landscape. Uh, and these in DAI and other MakerDAO products will be connected to NewChain through advanced bridges secured by the Maker protocol called two-stage gravity bridges. I don't know what these are. I'm assuming it's just a bridge. 
Um, the benefits of this is that this allows for the more advanced tokenomics of Endgame, which Rune is calling neural tokenomics, which also was a topic of conversation, like neural tokenomics, what the hell is that? Um, has, uh, well, this, this will benefit from having its own new chain and then allows the ecosystem to recover as much value as possible, minimizing value leaked to MEV and transaction costs. And also he says that this provides Solana mainnet access to native maker DeFi features and capital. And importantly, he says that we don't have to build it from scratch. We can just fork an open existing source, open source protocol. Where, of course, like I said, the Ethereum community is like, oh yeah, you're just going to fork the OP stack. And Rune is like, no, I'm going to fork Solana. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so a couple things maybe to, to, to clarify here. So mm -hmm. this whole new chain idea, this is still many years out. And uh, Rune kind of admits this. Yes. This is yes. like future things. Correct. This is him saying, new chain will be many years out. Its main purpose is to act as a secure and efficient backend of the system, but it's many years out. Um but there was the big question, of course, is Rune said the S word, right? <laughs> and you know how you know how right. tribal yeah, yeah, yeah. crypto is, yeah. right? And so everyone from Ethereum is like, why not the EVM, right? right? Like, why are you, are you abandoning uh, Ethereum? Just like, uh, you know. Well, it's not <laughs> only that, but it, it's saying Ethereum. why not the v EVM, but... but He's but the thing, the big crux is that he's not proposing an Ethereum layer two. He is proposing yeah. a brand new layer one yeah. using the Solana code base. And and again, this is a, a DeFi, like a marquee blue chip DeFi, mm -hmm. been building on Ethereum right. since you know V1, died in the wool, kind of like ETH mm -hmm. bull, and is kind of saying these things. Um, right. So there's a question of why not EVM, sir? This is Rune replying. EVM is still the most important when it comes to building stuff for users, since that's where the users are. But for a specialized backend for maker specific needs, it is not ideal. And solutions like Solana or something like Psy, Say, yeah, sway, sway. Or something like sway. say are a much better fit, as we said. So, so why Solana, David? So I think this is actually a pretty legit uh, endorsement of Solana's tech. And I think even the tribal fighting from Ethereum versus Solana is actually not about Solana's tech. Like Solana's tech is probably pretty strong. It again doesn't have technical debt. It doesn't have baggage that the EVM has. Like what happens? You're talking about specifically the Solana virtual machine, like the yes, this, this, yes, exactly, yeah. And so like when there's Solana people and Ethereum people fighting, it's not over who's got the better technology. Technology is just like one thing that makes up a blockchain. But this statement is Rune saying, "Hey, the Solana tech's good. Let's use that." Uh, and so that that's the motivation for why the Solana code base. The interesting thing, and Rune does address this, is that he like vetted Cosmos as an alternative, which if you're thinking about being your own layer one, and again, the, the reason why not a, an Ethereum layer two is that even what Rune is saying is that MakerDAO wants to be able to fork, arbitrarily fork its own chain to recover from governance attacks or any like failure of the backend system. So mm. because DAI is DAI is considered holy in MakerDAO. It is the first class citizen of MakerDAO. It is the purpose of MakerDAO. And so anything else is secondary to MakerDAO to, to DAI. And so if we need to recover governance, for example, then we can fork the MakerDAO chain without disrupting DAI. And a layer two actually doesn't give total sufficient sovereignty over freedom of forking. Uh, it's still on-chain governance. And so what Rune is saying is that we want to be so incredibly sovereign that we can be f the maximally free to fork our chain as needed to make sure that governance is upheld by its social layer. So this is actually MakerDAO's social layer breaking free from shackles. And you would think that this would be, a, this is the Cosmos thesis. Just build an app chain on Cosmos because you're beholden to no one. It's interesting that Rune did evaluate 
Cosmos, and he says, the major benefits of Cosmos, it's large and highly quality talented pool, range of independent developer companies, huge amount of existing cases of successfully developing app chains using the Cosmos stack, disadvantages, Cosmos not built around sufficient uh, efficiency the same way Solana is, Cosmos doesn't have a strong central foundation like Solana has, um, but yet with understanding these, he, they, he still didn't say Cosmos, which is directly in violation of Cosmos's like vision. It's a, it's a direct violation of like the belief that he you has mean about Cosmos it. was hoping to win this one because right. it's very clearly a sovereign app yes, chain. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so he's, he's saying like Cosmos, I see your vision and no. Would this mean like, you know, all die is backed by collateral. Mm -hmm. And if you were using sort of new chain, you're putting your ETH in new chain. No, and don't you lose? No. Okay. No, so that, yeah. that's not what this is mainly for governance and the kind Correct. of the back end stuff. Correct. Yeah. There is liquidity. So each sub DAO has its own token and mm. uh, you could imagine like some curve like pool or some Uniswap liquidity pools on new chain to be the liquidity for MKR and the sub DAO tokens. And yeah. because that's part of this, I think it's part of this whole like neural tokenomics thing. So liquidity and MEV would be on new chain, while DAI and CDPs would be on Ethereum, uh, Solana, whatever. Well, let's get let's get some of the community reaction. Then I want your reaction, and I'll, I'll oh, kind of give mine to this. All right. So here, here's <laughs> one data point here. Uh, actually, a, a couple of hours after that, Vitalik Imme Buterin immediately sold. after Rune tweets this. <laughs> Vitalik Buterin dumps 500 MKR, all of his yeah. MKR tokens. That's about 600K worth. That's and, a pretty uh, clear it, statement of beliefs. <laughs> swapped it for ETH. So he didn't say anything publicly, but uh, yep. you can look at the on-chain data for maybe <laughs> how he feels about this. This does seem like it's a it's some sort of um, statement mm -hmm. of uh, Vitalik's take on this. Well, so You're, he did He did make public statements. He went into oh, the he did? Reflexer, not on Twitter. Uh, he went into the, the Rye, the um, fork, Rye Reflexer fork of single collateral maker DAO, but mm -hmm. without the US dollar as the peg instead of it's a free floating peg. Um, and so kind of like trying to fulfill one of the original visions of MakerDAO before it's done all its development and directional progress. Uh, and so he goes into DAO, uh, into Rai, the Rai Discord, and says, this has made me change my mind on one chain. I think it's somewhat more okay before than the, for the Rai community to have somewhat more activist, activist governance than I previously thought. Rai previously has been all about ungovernance, zero governance. And Vitalik saying, hey, you, could guys, you guys could have a little bit more governance. Mm. Not going all the way, but like being okay with doing more active governance to support staked ETH and ideally intentionally accepting only non-dominant forms of staked ETH, so not Lido staked ETH, uh, other like uh, Rocket Pool or anyone else down down the long tail of staked ETH. Uh, and so he come, he's coming into the Rye Reflexor Discord and is like, hey, there's like an opportunity for you guys here. But is he also saying like implicitly with, with selling this is he... he and last time you bought make MKR was April uh, mm -hmm. 2018. Yeah, so, according to kind of the on-chain data. So this yeah. is also a statement of like losing faith in yeah, MKR. So he, he said the, these words: If MakerDAO is torpedoing itself in weird directions, then it makes natural sense for Rai to move somewhat closer to the category of DAO huh. governed real act, real world asset backed stable coins. Here's another Oof. take. This is this one from uh, one of the leaders of the Solana community, Anatolia. What does he say? And Anatoly says, Maker considering Solana's tech is a win for open source. It has nothing to do with Solana's mainnet or Sol or ETH. I really hope people in the Solana community don't use this as a cudgel to attack Ethereum. Ethereum <laughs> is awesome. Um, I've got a take about this take later. Oh, very good. Uh, okay, this is um, somebody from the Ethereum community. So this mm -hmm. is Justin LaRue. 
Uh, Rune, Justin says, Rune's forum post advocates for a private, privately controlled app chain to, quote, use hard forks to gracefully recover from the most severe form of governance or tax or technical failure. And then Justin's take here is that this completely negates all legitimacy achieved by initially building MakerDAO on a public blockchain. What he's saying is that what, what happened to immutability? What happened to smart contracts? If we can, if we're just uh, explicitly devolving back to the social layer, well, that's TradFi, isn't it? Mm. What, we're, we're taking the immutability out of governance, which it's just I think the, is a just, just, just the governance is on right. this kind of Solana chain. It's not the immutability of kind of the DAI smart yes, contracts. The DAI, the DAI preserves it. its immutability, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's another then, take this one from Fubar. Yeah, Fubar just kind of gives like the amalgamation of, I think, the average Ethereum person take. Maker, we will have an over-collateralized stablecoin. Users, great. Maker, you will... Back it, we'll back it by USCC users. Wait, wait, why? Maker, we will spend the, the money on Rwandan carbon credits users. Can I, have, can I have a refund? Maker, governance for neural tokenomics will live on a Solana layer too. Oh boy. It's just, it's just saying no one's asking for this. Yes, and these exactly. are kind of harebrained ideas yeah. basically mm -hmm. is, yeah. is the take here. Um, yes. The ca carbon credits is in reference to part of Rune's post about um, the end game, which right. gets into kind of like making die green money and that sort yeah. of thing you know yeah. carbon credits are mentioned there yeah the strategy there is to use collateral to legitimize crypto which i think is is valid albeit political all right well give your take and then i'll give mine so oh, what do takes. you what's what do you make of all this okay so, so my take is that i understand that this is unintuitive but i don't think that people should immediately cast this off as an incoherent uh, decision with regards to Maker's long-term vision. I think if you understand some of the social contract that MakerDAO was incepted by, you would be able to fit this into that vision, regardless of whether you think it's good or bad. Like you're free to still consider it bad, but at least it is coherent with one of the, the early establishments of MakerDAO's idea of like, hey, let's hold die of the highest regard. We have this um, emergency shutdown mechanism, let's improve that. Uh, and so it is not totally incoherent. Uh, MakerDAO is saying that it needs even more sovereignty than in, in its ability to fork its own chain than what an Ethereum layer 2 can allow for. Uh, and a maximally, as maximally sovereign as an Ethereum layer 2 can be, which is really, really sovereign, MakerDAO is saying that that's not enough. And this is a really, really big choice because it implies that social forking is more important than immutable finance, which is kind of a very core principle of crypto. Um, and like we've covered, DAIs, but DAI will still remain as permissionless and censorship resistance as, as ever. On the Solana piece, this is an endorsement of Solana's tech, but not Solana itself. When people say the name Solana, they're referring to the Solana blockchain and also the Solana vision of a single shared monolithic state. One single state, one global state, one ecosystem, one block space. A forking of Solana's code base and spinning up a new secondary MakerDAO app-specific Solana chain is, is antagonistic to the Solana vision. The Solana product project wants to be one chain. Solana as a system is a maximalist of itself. And so a Solana copy doesn't actually fit inside of the vision. It is a, bull, is a bullish statement on the SVM, the Solana virtual machine as a growing ecosystem that stands in contrast to the EVM. And that is a story for a different day. That is something that we are thinking about uh, coordinating a podcast around. So that's my Solana take. On Cosmos, I think the real loser here is Cosmos. Cosmos is supposed to be the perfect glove to fit the MakerDAO hand that it's waving around, and MakerDAO chose not to even join the Cosmos ecosystem. And also, I will say, Ethereum is also a loser here. It doesn't get a MakerDAO OP stack chain. 
it loses the economic activity of MakerDAO and its subDAO tokens. It does retain its supply of DAI uh, across its layer twos and layer ones, uh, but maybe it has a less firm grip on future DAI issuance. So Ethereum doesn't win. Solana doesn't win. Maybe the SVM does get a win. Cosmos doesn't win. Who does win? Who wins here? Whether or not MakerDAO wins, I think we will have to wait and see. In theory, DAI holders win because now they are buffered from any chaotic occurrences in MKR governance, but this is still theory, not in practice. We will have to wait and see. And then I will also finish this off by saying that this is just a proposal. This is up to the MakerDAO community. If they wanted to do something different and go in a different direction, then that is free. This is not codified. This is not set in stone. This has to be accepted. Uh, and so I think the future is still very unwritten and we will see what plays. Those are my takes. Good take. Good take. Do you want to hear my take? I do. I don't care about <laughs> any of this. <laughs> I feel like people are just bored and they're making much ado about nothing. This is a proposal from Rune for something in the future. He may change his mind. Something may or may not happen. It's basically just the governance portion. He's effectively saying... We're doing this governance portion in a side chain, and rather than do an EVM, we're th thinking of doing uh, SVM Solana. That's mm -hmm. it. And I just, it do I don't think it matters very much. I felt like this was just Twitter being bored and having some like an excuse for like a little bit of tribal infighting. The other thing I'll say about Rune is um, he's very much a vision person. Yes. Right. So big, like audacious yep. kind of visions contrarian things sometimes inside that, of endgame is legitimately ai governance it's some crazy stuff like neural tokens like what mm -hmm. like how much of that is actually going to come into play I, I remember even if you look at kind of um rune's early ideas around what what die would be what si, it was sai at the time it was going to be an sdr like a fiat like you know a um uh, not just the dollar it would be like map to the SDR, which is like a basket of different stable coins. So you're not dependent. Like some of the vision just doesn't always play out in the execution. And so that's that's the other element. And then I guess lastly I would say um it is interesting somewhat that that maker is becoming a bit more bank like, I would say. A bit more um a bit more like Coinbase in, in sort of that spectrum of pure DeFi it where you're just deploying a protocol. Although I will say it was a small step in that direction. I think it's a small step in that direction. The bigger step in that direction is a uh, multi-collateral die, basically, and and using real-world assets to sort of back your uh, your stablecoin, right? If you want to be sort of purist and just on-chain, then you do something like the original Psy or you do something mm -hmm. like, like Rai. And so they've already stepped in that direction. It's another step. But yeah, in general, I don't know. I... Sorry, I didn't mean to dismiss what you were saying, David. I think, this is like, I think those are like, all valid I, I takes. I have like but... 5,000 words to say about almost <laughs> anything, and you're like, meh. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it was a good discussion, and uh, that was it was certainly had on crypto Twitter this week. Yeah. Um, for, for, for what it's worth, all of that take that I just wrote out that, just there, I was thinking about writing that into an article, and then like I came back from Burning Man, and I was like, oh, wait, no one cares about this anymore. We've already moved on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is interesting, though, this week. So another win for Solana that, that mm -hmm. you mentioned. Visa has expanded its, its stablecoin settlement 
to Solana. I, I do think we can consider this a win for the um, Solana yeah. community. They're but, treating but, it as a win, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> all right. This is Q Sheffield. He's been on the Bankless podcast before. Of course, he is on the forefront of everything that Visa is doing with crypto and blockchain. And he says, we are excited to announce that Visa has expanded our stablecoin settlements mm-hmm. to the Solana blockchain. Do you think this is a big deal, David? I'm having a hard time totally understanding if it's a big deal or not. I know that the Solana community would love for you to think it's a very big deal. Um, Visa announcing that it's going to settle USDC on Solana. Yeah, that like Solana is supposed to be for payments, instant transaction, blah, blah, blah. So that fits with the Solana vision. Uh, Visa formally integrating Solana is a very big deal. Visa has integrated other chains before that have not seen adoption. So they have that other chains have come and go. So this is like the opening of the door, but whether or not people go through the door is completely up to the future. And that is unwritten. Um, I mean, Solana does have like a, a strong base of people and developers. And so perhaps compared to other previous chains that Visa has integrated with, uh, this this one stands out amongst the crowd. But um, I think they're, the Solana community is doing massive victory laps. And I think that part is premature, although it could very well play out that, yes, indeed, this does formally get adopted by the free market. I think it's a biggish deal. I think it's a good win for the kind of the staying power of, of Solana for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would say when it when it comes to like um, USDC or anything that is is kind of like TradFi backed, mm-hmm. basically, I mean settlement assurances don't become that important, right. right? So it's like I would always just be like, why use Ethereum if you're if right. you're Visa? I mean, if you have to. I guess settle something that is crypto native, okay. But like, let's remember that any sort of stablecoin on Visa or even USDC itself is not ultimately settled on a network like Ethereum. Or actually, like Tron is the most used USDC stablecoin network when it comes to transactions. It's actually settled in the um, the legal system of the United mm. States banking yeah. system because each of those dollars are just they're, they're they're tokenized IOUs that are actually backed by money in an account somewhere, in a bank account somewhere. It's kind of like banked money using using crypto rails. Mm-hmm. So yeah, set, settlement will will be all over the place. And I don't think settlement assurances are really prioritized by someone like Circle or, or USDC, like USDC or Visa. Um, so that would be one thing I would add to that. The reason why I'm like kind of hesitant about this is that like previously like Visa integrated with Stellar Lumens. I think they had a partnership with Ripple at some point in time. Both of those just came and went. So I'm like, Okay, great. Congrats on the partnership. Show me the money, right? Like, let's see the traction. David, you are so harsh on the Solana community, and they will be sure to point that out, my friend. I'm Um, sure they will. Yeah, they love me. I'm their favorite. Was this uh, an uh, an L for base? We were just talking about a a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) How good, how smooth the Mm -hmm. launch of the base layer 2 went. And earlier today, they're reporting out, this is the base uh, Twitter account, there was a delay in block production due in our part to internal infrastructure requiring a refresh. Mm -hmm. Basically, the base blockchain was offline for some period of time. How long was it? One hour and two minutes. Okay, why? What's, uh, you Uh, you have any takes here? I don't know, Uh, but (laughs) you can go to base uh, status, status.base.org. I found this website while I was looking at this. Uh, Actually, kind of cool website to look at uh, base, just like uptime stats. and so, yeah, they just said that there was a global issue, a critical issue. It stalled out. There was a major outage for one hour and two minutes. Um, and, but overall, 99.92% uptime. So what does I mean, this mean when the base uh, goes down? It's like seven or 18 more times than it'll finally approach Solana level of downtime. Wow. <laughs> 
What's what happens when when something like base goes down, right? So if uh, I have assets, if I have ether on base, which I I do have some a little right. bit, um, what happens when there's an outage? That means all of right. my, like I, I guess my user interfaces are kind of dead. But mm-hmm. do I still have the ability to withdraw funds back to yes. ether? Uh, so let, let me compare this to the Arbitrum non-outage but non-finality event that happened a while ago. Like for a while, Arbitrum blocks were still being produced, but it was not submitting state routes to the Ethereum layer one for some reason. Uh, that happened that, a while ago, right? Yeah, that was a number uh, of months ago. Yeah. Uh, and so in that instance, you were still able to use Arbitrum completely uninterrupted. You were just not getting layer one settlement finality for like, I think, uh, 90 minutes or something. Um, and then they fixed it and then it was fine. Uh, that in that moment of time, you could have actually still bridged out of Arbitrum. You could have, like, your, total, your usage of Arbitrum is totally um, un, un, it was totally fine. Um, this base blocks stopped happening. The chain stopped moving forward. So for one hour and two minutes, you could not do anything on base. You couldn't trade friend shares. You couldn't, you couldn't withdraw using the normal mechanisms. You could have done a forced exit of the inclusion. That, was, that is and always is possible. Uh, the Solana community would say that, like, well, show me the button. And, I mean, they're right. There is no, like, easy button to write a script automatically to withdraw your things, even though it is technically possible. Like me, as a non-technical person, I'm not enabled to do that. Um, but if this happened for any sustained period of time, as long as there's a way to do that, there yes. would be user interfaces right. that are spun up that would support right. those. But you're yeah. saying for base, there is a way to do that right now. There, there is a, yes. So forced withdrawals are live for all rollups, all uh, optimistic rollups, but there's just no button for it. So like, I mean, it's, the critique is like, great, it's technically possible, but if the end user isn't technically have the technical skills to do it, but, then what is it? I don't really understand matter? that because somebody will just obviously spin right. up, it's an open source Correct. community, someone will spin right. up a button. That's yes. not that hard, right? Yes. There is a script uh, that Arbitrum made that is available on their GitHub for the outside world to like turn that into a UI. And they gave a grant uh-huh. to Blockchain at Berkeley to go do that. Um, and But it hasn't been done yet. And like, why hasn't it been done yet? Because we haven't needed to. Like the free market doesn't do things that people won't pay money for. Uh, and so, like, without a need for this button, then the button hasn't been created. It'll be I, created I, eventually. I, want I know Layer 2 Beat has this on their roadmap. Well, I'm, I'm excited for a roll-up to actually go down for some period of time <laughs> where we get to actually test the button. I totally want to test the button. I want to I see how this works. Soup test to nuts. Because that is the promise of a roll-up, right? It is the promise Ethereum of a roll-up. mainnet didn't go down. If a Layer 2 goes down, okay, that's kind of crappy. But I have the ability to withdraw my funds. That is the right. entire purpose of a roll-up. Yeah. So I want to see that Soup to Nuts confirmed sometime. So, should, we, uh, should we have a roll up for an to do a fire drill? <laughs> yeah, we should do a fire drill. That's a, a great layer that's... two fire drill. Yeah, no one's gonna want to do no that. No one's gonna want to do that. <laughs> Optimism is be like Arbitrum, you do it, and Arbitrum is <laughs> gonna be first. like ZK Sync, you do it, and ZK Sync. Hey, if be... <laughs> any roll up listing is willing to do a fire drill, we will broadcast it live on Facebook. <laughs> yes, we will. We absolutely, <laughs> we'll see will. if it works. Uh, all right. Well, this was great news this week, David. I, I saw this in you know the back of the tornado cash, everything else happening in the court system. Uh, developers getting arrested. This is a win for DeFi. What are we looking at here? Uh, Court sides with Uniswap over class action lawsuit. So Southern District of New York Judge Catherine Polk Falalia, sorry, the judge who's also in charge of the Coinbase case, has thrown out a class action lawsuit against Uniswap, ruling that software, Uniswap, cannot be held accountable for the losses of its users or the damages of third parties. Wow. Obviously, and thank you. Obviously. Uh, Wow. Okay, so this original complaint was filed last year that alleged that Uniswap, 
founder Hayden Adams, Andreessen Horowitz, and Paradigm, all Uniswap investors, were mm. responsible for, quote, rampant fraud on the exchange and wow. pushed for Uniswap to register with the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. This is an Onion article, bro. Who are the plaintiffs uh, here? Who, who's pressing the charges? Just random names here. I guess yeah. Uniswap users. C- class action class action lawsuit. Yeah, class we'll, action stuff. Everyone's, yeah. Of course, targeting um, where the money is, right? right. So you get the yes. VCs and the founder. Yeah. Makes sense. So the judge stated, due to the protocol's decentralized nature, the identities of the scam token issuers are basically unknown and unknowable, leaving plaintiffs with an identifiable injury but no identifiable defendant. Wait, the wait. Pla- the, the complaint was that there are scam tokens on Uniswap and I and went and I money. bought one and it's and it your fault down. that I went and I bought it's that It's Uniswap's token. fault. It's Uniswap's fault. And yes. all of all of the people being charged here that yes, I correct. went and yes. made a f- stupid financial yes. decision yes. Yes. and bought a token yes. that you know represented a dog and mm-hmm. it dropped to zero. And it's yes. represented a okay. dog. <laughs> yes, yes, you are correct. Okay. Uh, the Just plaintiffs launched the, sh- the suit hoping that this court might overlook the fact that the current state of crypto regulation leaves them without recourse, but that does not allow them to blame Uniswap for their injury. Yeah. I just, I, the topic of responsibility just goes so deep in crypto and whoever's <laughs> doing this suing is just trying to abscond from responsibility. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what does Hayden say here? Huge win, long live DeFi. One longtime fear of mine has been bad legal interpretation, he says, of our complex technical industry. It's highly motivating to see US courts hold up arguments I felt deeply for years. Here's some of the best, most based comments from the court case. Uh, This quote, it defies logic that a drafter of computer code underlying a particular software platform could be liable for a third party's misuse of the platform. As discussed, smart contracts are self-executing, self-enforcing code. Wow, David, this judge gets it. Again, same judge on on the Coinbase case, which seems to be good news. They, the plaintiffs, now sue the defendants, hoping that this court might overlook the fact that the current state of cryptocurrency regulation leaves them without recourse saying something we've been saying for a very long time. Like, there is no uh, coherent cryptocurrency regulation. Um, This one, too. The court declines to stretch the federal securities laws to cover the conduct alleged and concludes that the plaintiff's concerns are better addressed to Congress than to this court. The court's saying, we're not going to decide, we're not going to stretch securities law to to meet the um, plaintiff's request here. That's for Congress to decide. That totally makes sense, too. No plaintiff would sue... The New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ for tweeting that its exchange was a safe place to trade after that plaintiff had lost money due to an issue with fraudulent schemes. Exactly. So somebody buys a, to- a-, a stock on the NASDAQ and it drops to zero and it's fraudulent. You're not going to sue the NASDAQ for that. Anyway, it goes on. A bunch of good news, a bunch of common sense being injected uh, through these court cases. And uh, you love to see it. This is yeah. precedent being set. It is like moderately frustrating that like stuff like statements like this that you and I were saying in like 2019, 2020, yeah. it's like you can't sue software. And then like we actually have to go to court over that very <laughs> obvious, like, oh, can feels we just good, skip though. to the end where we win? Yeah, well, it feels good. I mean, somebody talking some common sense. David, speaking of common sense, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, a firm with $5 trillion asset under management releases an investment thesis for Ether. Ooh, 
get me hot and bothered. Kevin Owaki coming back to Gitcoin. We're going to talk about this. And Justin Bieber releases a 2015 hit as an NFT and will share streaming revenue with its holders. I kind of teased the punchline there, but we're going to talk about all that. But first, I wanted to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask and MetaMask Portfolio to help you prepare for the bull market incoming. Hopefully, knock on wood. Let's go hear from them right now. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to manage your crypto assets and to tap into DeFi all in one place. And the most important part of that experience, buying crypto, obviously. MetaMask Portfolio's buy feature enables you to purchase crypto easily without going through centralized exchanges. Designed with you in mind, you can fund your wallet directly in just a few clicks with convenience and simplicity. What happens when you press the buy button? Rather than being limited to a single payment provider, MetaMask brings together a bunch of vetted, trustworthy providers to present you with customized quotes for your crypto purchase. Once you've funded your wallet, you'll be able to plug into DeFi with all the money verbs like swapping, bridging, and staking. But first things first, you need skin in the game. Head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to buy crypto the easy way. Are you planning to launch a token? Is your token already live? And are you granting your employees and contractors vesting token awards? And are you trying to figure out how to take care of taxable events for your team? Toku makes implementing a global token incentive award simple. With Toku, you will get unmatched legal and tax support to grant and administer your global team's tokens. Toku will help you navigate across the life cycle of your token from easy to use pre-launch token grant award templates to managing post-cliff taxable events with payroll. For legal, finance, and HR teams, it's a huge complex task to have to comply with labor laws, payroll and tax obligations, tax reporting, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone. It's difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly, and it's drawing more attention from global regulators and governments. Toku makes it simple for leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So if you want some help navigating the complex world of token compliance, go to toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. Quick update on the Tornado Cash developer who was arrested now two weeks ago, Roman Storm. He pled not guilty. Uh, not guilty. This doesn't really come as a surprise. Uh, I 100% understand that Roman Storm doesn't think he's guilty. I also think he's not guilty. Uh, and so this is just the next step and what's probably going to be a long court battle as well. Um, the, I mean, the one of the themes of this episode, I would say, is uh, crypto is winning in the courts. Uh, it was a th we did we had one last week and the week before like Grayscale, Gary Gensler, some other like class action lawsuits are getting walked back. So a recent theme is that crypto's taken the w taken some dubs in the legal world. Uh, I wouldn't want to say that uh, we are winning against the SEC. We're winning against the CFTC. We're winning against stupid class action ambulance chasing lawyers. This case is not be those. a big test. This, no, is this is the Department of Justice. Yeah. It is. These are the the biggest. Biggest well, people. It's, it's also it's also financial surveillance crimes. It also yeah. gets into kind of national defense when you invoke yeah. North Korea, and right. so this is a different type of battle. You know, right. some have called this kind of the final boss. This feels yeah. a little bit more like the final boss. So we'll we'll so, see so how we do. So we're stacking up some dubs, but this doesn't mean that this one is just going to follow suit. This is oh, going to be a hard. This one. one seems like the most obvious open source developer. I mean, right. privacy code. Right. Anyway, we'll be covering this one closely. You guys can count on that. Um, mm -hmm. Polygon just launched their Supernet kit. David, this sounds a lot like uh, Super Chains from yep. Optimism. What yep. is this launch? Exactly what you just said is their chain development kit, which uh, I mean, is actually the right name for these things. Chain development kit is like a, it's an SDK, but for a chain. Uh, so Polygon has launched Supernets. Optimism has Superchain. Uh, ZK Sync has the ZK stack. Hyperchains. Arbitrum has Orbits. Polygon has Supernets. And now the Supernet kit 
is out and about an uh, important point of difference between uh, Optimism Superchain or, or this is a ZK EVM. So this is going head to head with ZK Sync and Starkware, which released their Superchain kit not too long ago. So it allows anyone to spin up a chain. It's a um, ZK rollup type yep. chain and it's all connected through you know po polygon technology basically so yep. this is their version of a, a super chain it's as the super net yep. david rollups uh, on the move this week this this notice from arbitrum uh, as well i was re really looking forward to this this is uh, for the devs this one's for the devs yep. the release of stylus what is stylus stylus is a coding environment i think is that the right word that is not based on solidity but based on wasm web assembly which is like i i would say the status quo for devs out there to build stuff Dev like Web2 devs. Web2 they devs. All built against So we're know, taking awesome. like Web2 dev infrastructure and popping out Solidity and popping in whatever, whatever devs want to choose to build on. Uh, so it just opens up a larger supply of developers to build on Arbitrum. Uh, and that's great. I mean, so the, basically the value proposition is rather than learning this esoteric, you know, crypto web, web three thing called the EVM, you just bring your, your existing no, skills still over. The EV is that, no, it's still the EVM. Yeah, but you you basically you get to use kind of whatever coding language compiles to Waza, ah, yes, which is right. not yeah, Solidity, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, so it's Solidity, right? Solidity, I mean, it's esoteric, but it's also pretty close to JavaScript, which is pretty common. But like, you know, other people like C++. Like, and David and I C talking and about, Rust. it's like, yeah, Solidity's easy. Just learn Solidity's it. Come on. Super easy. It's yeah. so easy. <laughs> uh, it's very cool. And the other thing, this has been a promise for a while. Do you remember back in, God, I feel like a grandpa crypto here. Back in 2019, we're talking about deploying Wasm uh you know on the evm there's like a an ef team working on mm -hmm. this anyway mm -hmm. the layer twos are the ones who brought across the finish line and actually built it up which is uh great to see here so, um, so something i don't understand about how this works but rachel from uh arbitrum says arbitrum stylus flashes fees across four categories compute is 10 to 100 times cheaper memory is 100 to 500 times cheaper uh, and other other cheap uh, things, cheap getting, things. Uh, cheap things. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but cool. Oh, damn! We need to do an episode on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there it's it's getting cheaper. It's getting more optimized. Uh, what is Starknet doing? They're doing some things too. Starkware, Starknet, Stone Prover is now open source. So a prover is a very important piece of zk rollups. You need to prove zero knowledge proofs. You have to prove them, <laughs> and that's a part is completing the circuit. Uh, and now Starkware's stone prover is now open source. Uh, so this is like ZK Sync's Boojum or Polygon's Plonky 2. Uh, this is Starkware's stone, and it's now open source. It's good. They're all going open source. Love to see it. Uh, Rocket Pool is launching some new stuff. What do they got on the menu? This whole thing is a very long post. Jasper put a thread together. But TLDR is a big architecture redesign. Uh, there's 10x scalability uh, and on-chain governance, birth of Rocket Pool layer 2s. Uh, there's a bonding curve for the lower ETH um, uh, Rocket Pool nodes. Um, I sadly didn't have enough time to fully dive down into this. I apologize to the Rocket Pool community, but Jasper put a tweet thread together that summarizes all of this. Uh, there's a bit, it's a big update. It's a very big update. David, Kevin Owaki is now returning to uh, Gitcoin. This is his announcement. He says, I'm excited to announce my plans to return to Gitcoin. Uh, the DAO has made some solid strides in decentralizing things at the same time. I think some of the community's criticism of Gitcoin is valid. So he's coming back to help them turn a corner together. I, th I think that is bullish for Gitcoin. Sometimes you need that that leadership mm -hmm. injected back in. And of course, uh, you know, Kevin has great takes on what public goods means and how Gitcoin can transform the world. So I'm bullish on that. I'm, I imagine you are as well. 
Uh, very, very bigly, yeah. Uh-huh. We, we love the Kevin Milwaukee. He's also going to be at Permissionless, giving a talk, one of my favorite talks that he's going to update, and also I'm sure he's going to talk about his return to Gitcoin as well. All right, I've been waiting for this the entire podcast. Tell me about the Biebs. Justin Bieber, he's got an NFT, and you said you were a fan. You didn't say of you the NFT one. drop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Aww. fan of the drop mechanism. You're not a fan of Biebs? You said uh, you were there ambivalent are a towards Biebs. Songs okay. The, the Justin right. Bieber, Kanye, Good Friday, Christmas in Harlem song. Oof, he kills it. That's some early Bieber. Though. That's, that's, <laughs> an, that's actually a Bieber deep cut. OJ. And I don't really deep know cut. if I like mainstream Bieber. Yeah, Anyways. I was like, I hadn't heard of that. But okay, so no. tell me about the NFT, though. That's what the crypto people want to hear. Yeah, so his song and Company from 2015 is being tokenized. I do not know the song. Uh, 2,000 NFTs. $28 each. One of, the, one of the reasons why I like this is like, you know, that's a pretty modest price. Yeah. Uh, point zero price in one, ETH, though. <laughs> 0.017 Ether, yeah. So that's it's actually the real price is 0.017 Ether. <laughs> uh, so all of these got minted out, all 2,000 of them, max per user 10. So Justin Bieber made $56,000, which for what he could do, I think is completely modest and respectable. Um, every single NFT individually receives 0.0005% of royalties when the when company is streamed, uh, and so if it, if this is ever played on Spotify or makes money wherever the however music makes money these days, uh, you as a single NFT owner you get point zero 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 five percent. So it's a ca- it's a cash flowing asset. It's a it's a it's yeah. a capital asset. Then yeah, you might say. Does that make it a security? <laughs> well, I, I'm sure they've worked around that. Oh, actually, look at I'm this. not sure. U.S. citizens did. cannot access minting yeah, royalty clean, claims clean, yeah, due to regulatory yeah, yeah. uncertainty. U.S. citizens were barred from... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, good thing Beeps is Canadian. I love how they just explicitly say due to regulatory uncertainty. Like, that's actually a big step in, forward from just, like, banning it. Because yeah. it's, like, waves like, Gary Gensler's not letting you yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They We should just put his picture in front, like, in the, and it's just be like, this man does not want you to have this NFT. <laughs> Instead of saying if U.S. citizens, like, you try and click the button and Gary Gensler's face just comes up and it's like, stop uh, uh, right there. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, uh, like, he's, like, he's no, pointing no, no. his finger at you. You can't have it. I mean, that's really what, what's happening here. But, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, we've got some good news, uh, I think, coming out of Fidelity as well. This was, this was my tweet here. The world's third largest asset firm with 4.2 trillion dollars in assets just released this is it this is what they, they called the paper investment thesis for ethereum here are some of the major sections eth and as, as an aspiring money eth as a store of value eth as a yield bearing asset the company is fidelity so a second largest assets under management firm in existence and they've got their ethereum investment thesis i skimmed through this david it's uh it's pretty good gotta say there are some uh, references to the Ultrasound Money website, believe it or not, multiple references. I'm almost surprised they didn't use uh, Bankless as a source for some of this, but I, I saw some of <laughs> our uh, <laughs> some of our energy in inside of these uh, these narratives for sure. Um, Ryan's they, trying to collect his receipts. <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm not saying that this was us, but uh, kind of was us. Uh, anyway. Can ETH be considered a money the same as Bitcoin? Oh, I should say some context too. Fidelity mm. for a very long time, they've been involved in crypto, um, but specifically Bitcoin. And they've almost been like a Bitcoin heavy, I wouldn't say maximalist, but a Bitcoin heavy shop. And so also seeing Fidelity see the light on Ether as a, as a store of value asset is, is great to see as well. So they get a lot of it right. I would have some, some, some quibbles with some of what they said, um, but let me give you some takes here. Ether technically has unlimited supply parameters, 
which are kept within a range depending on the number of validators in burn. That, that is correct. It seems unlikely that any other digital asset could improve upon Bitcoin as a monetary good because Bitcoin is viewed by some as the most secure, decentralized, sound digital money. So that's another quote from it. So you can see there's still pretty bullish uh, on the Bitcoin side of things. Nonetheless, this was a fantastic report, and uh, you can see them kind of gearing up maybe for future ETFs, future financial products around Ethereum as well. David, we've invited them on the show, actually. So they're going to come on Bankless and talk about this report with us. And And that's uh, why we were not cited. (laughs) Ask If they ever listen to the Ultrasound Money episode... They know anything where about did, that. Where do you get your information? <laughs> like, I I think this is bullish. And you know, when I saw this, it was for me. It was um, wow. What how things have changed uh, from the last bull cycle, 2018, mm-hmm. 2019. We were just like fighting for the existence of this asset, and and now you know we've got major financial institutions writing papers on it and getting yep. it like 80 to 90 percent right from my perspective. This is uh, just great ether ETF fuel. I think like, so. hey, why, why, why are you suggesting I buy this Ether ETF thing? Like, go why, read the why, Fidelity why report. Oh, there, here's a report from Fidelity. Here you go. Go read this. Yeah. Go learn about ultrasound money. Uh, or go listen to Bankless podcast. Or, or go listen to Bankless. This, is, um, this next thing is maybe a sign of things to come. I'm a little bit worried about it. Privacy yeah. coins are now outlawed and delisted from exchanges. This is a Binance exchange. Binance exchange in, in Belgium. The country's Belgium, of course. So starts uh, in Belgium though, and it goes out from there. Yeah. So reference says uh, Monero. Remember Monero? Yeah. Uh, Mobile Coin, Zen. Um, I don't see Zcash, but um, no privacy coins. Can't buy privacy coins. This this worries me, David. Yes. I hope this is not a sign of things the, to come. This is a war on privacy. The it's an encroachment. I mean, Monero inside of Belgium on Binance is very far away, but that, you know, it starts there and it it doesn't stop until we fight him. Yep. Um, David, some cool things coming out of MetaMask this week. They shipped a sell feature. Do you see this inside of the MetaMask portfolio? No, buy, only buy. (laughs) Don't you want the option? (laughs) Only buy. (laughs) Well, you got to sell at some point, don't you? Maybe you don't. I mean, I've, I've definitely hit the sell button, but like not in a, in a, not in a meaningful <laughs> capacity. Anyway, what's cool about the sell button uh, in MetaMask portfolio is you can actually sell back to your bank account. Oh, region not supported yet. Connection. Great. <laughs> yes. Well, United States minor outlying islands. I can just put oh, you, US. The what US is v- supported. What VPN are you on, bro? Uh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I need to tell them all my secrets here. Yeah. So you can pick your state and you can exit directly to a, a bank account if you still have one of those. If you're a, if you're a hypocrite, why would and you, you still have a bank account? I, I can't imagine. You, huh? I can't imagine. I wouldn't even know. Uh-uh. My land, my 82 year old landlord takes USDC. Oh, yeah. Anyway, pretty cool no, release. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. <laughs> I know this. Neither does the IRS. <laughs> uh, pretty cool release from MetaMask. David, what else we got coming up? Coming up next, we got some questions from the nation. Why don't we ever talk about Polkadot? Why don't we talk about Polkadot, Ryan? We're going to talk about Polkadot for the first time, and it's going to be about why we don't talk about it. Uh, How is Burning Man? It's a question that somebody is asking. Yeah, I want to ask you that. And if you are still in crypto and you haven't lost your private keys, you are very well positioned for the next decade, according to a take who might be given by this guy here, Ryan Sean Adams. So all of that and more. But first, I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. You know Uniswap. It's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet, 
for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With the Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit it lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Questions from the nation this week. This one from uh, CryptoRoo MD. Um, it, it goes on. Thanks us for uh, what we're doing and ask the question: Why don't we have a bull case for Polkadot? It's really similar as the Cosmos Hub thesis and as fast as Solana. I can't see any money theory for Dot, but I think it's a good competitor. Um, this is a related question as well, asking us to bring on Polkadot and Moonbeam. So some people in, in the Bankless community are asking about Polkadot. Maybe the meta question here though is. Why haven't we done a big episode on on Polkadot, or why don't we talk about it as much? What uh, what's your answer to that, David? There's there's many different reasons for this. Um, I would say first and foremost is that like Polkadot occupies this space that other chains also occupy, and in my opinion, Polkadot kind of like fills the worst of both worlds space, not the best of both worlds space. So it's kind of like a hybrid between uh, Ethereum and Cosmos. And I actually kind of just think you should just pick one, either do Ethereum or do Cosmos, but occupying the middle space, I think you kind of get the worst of both worlds. Like Dot isn't money. They correctly identified that. Gavin Wood, like I wouldn't call him an aligned actor. He like raised a bunch of money with Parity. They did an Ethereum client and then they forked off and it all felt very mercenary and kind of leveraged Ethereum for his own means. Um, I don't exactly enjoy the Genesis story of Polkadot. And overall, I haven't seen too much real meaningful adoption in Polkadot. I could be, I could have a blind spot. There have been like a handful of times of bankless citizens in our discord saying, Hey, like, like, yeah, I'd love to do an episode on Polkadot. Uh, like why, why have you guys done one? Granted, we did schedule an episode with Gavin Wood to do this episode. Yeah. And then he canceled on us. Well, if he, so, if he like, heard you talking just now, we'll never get Gavin Wood on now right. because and the reason he canceled was actually, uh, we were informed it was because some past things I had said, my Twitter timeline Against yeah, Ryan Polkadot. was naughty. Yeah. And I like literally, like my 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 shit is tame, dude. Yeah, it was very tame tweets. So, so like somebody, some PR manager from the Polkadot ecosystem like went through Ryan's tweets and was like, hey, you tweeted this about Polkadot and we don't like it. And it was like it wasn't glowing, it was but it like wasn't dots bad. money or something yeah, like that. Yeah, this, right. Like, it's, yeah. Know. And so like and so like then they wanted to throw us some other polka dot person, like, no, we want we want Gavin Wood. 
Um, I would I would still love to do that episode. Yeah, I'd still do it. I I, I think you're it. right, David. I I just so the one thing, a couple things I would say on this too. To mm-hmm. this, we can't cover everything, so yes. we have to sort of choose. God, crypto's so big, <laughs> <laughs> so so it could be we're missing huge things in the Polkadot community, and the, the way it would bubble up and surface to our attention is if there were use cases, if there were right. apps, if there was right. things being built. And I don't, uh, I don't know community. why would I put money on Polkadot? I don't know what I would do there. I know there are some apps. So people are going to say like, oh, but right. haven't you tried this, this right. and this? They ha- just haven't right. gotten big enough relative to other things that are going on What's the on biggest stable coin on Polkadot? I have no idea. But if uh, anyone's listening has the ability, would love to do a show with, uh, with right. Gavin Wood, if he's mm-hmm. still welcome to come on. Yeah, um, always, always has been welcome. Yeah. <laughs> cancel. David, how was Burning Man? This is a question from a bankless citizen. I'm, I'm going to ask it to you too. Uh, how was Burning Man? Burning Man was great, bro. Uh, I had a ton of fun. This I, is you. This is you and your dad, right? This is my me and my father. Yeah. Uh, not only is that me and my father, but that is my grandfather, his dad's Navy jacket. Wow. I actually never met my grandfather, so it's kind of cool. Um, it's very cool. Yeah. So like, uh, there's like a meme of Burning Man people saying like, you have to go to Burning Man. <laughs> And then I go to Burning Man. It takes me a couple of days, but I'm like running around the playa on my like LED bicycle with LEDs all over my jacket because that's what you do on the playa. And then like, and I'm seeing everyone else running around the playa. The playa is the desert. It's like this very fat, flat, um, salt flat. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Uh, there's like a little bit of an aha moment of Burning Man. What is it? I don't. Uh, I don't. I'm so glad what, you asked. Yeah. I cannot explain it to you in such a brief amount of time because okay. we have a podcast that we need to get to in 20 minutes. Um, however, I did write a 5,000 word article that is going out on the Bankless <laughs> newsletter yesterday from the time of recording today, Thursday, ah. and also will be out on the podcast feed. Uh, the parallels, the, the, the short TLDR, the pitch for why you should go read or listen to that is that Burning Man, like crypto, is a rabbit hole. And when you go down the Burning Man rabbit hole at the very bottom, you actually poke out the other side into the crypto rabbit hole. Mm. Like these things connect very deeply. These are big social movements. Uh, and they are alternative social platforms for scaling certain cultures. And Burning Man is doing its job and crypto is doing its job. And these things are actually parallel. They're, they're parallel. And so I'll say like, if one of these movements succeeds, either Burning Man or crypto, it actually is conducive to the other. So this is like, well, like I don't expect people to become Burning Man people, burners. Uh, I, it is worthy to understand what powers Burning Man. Burning Man started in 1987. In the first few, like five years, it doubled in size. And then it's been growing like five to 15% year over year growth for like almost 30 years, bro. Why, why? Like what power is it? What powers Burning Man? Why, where does this growth come from? Like let alone the hundreds of regional events that happen all over the world. It is a decentralized social movement that wants to change the world. I got to admit, what, what's interesting about this is you, you kind of talking about Burning Man, you, like mm-hmm. evangelizing for it and talking about mm-hmm. your excitement for it. This probably is what crypto sounds like to yes. people who aren't in crab tripto, crypto. Yes, Cause like probably. you're saying it, you're saying these words and uh-huh. I'm just like, I just don't get it Be- right. because I haven't experienced it. Mm-hmm. I haven't read your piece. I haven't done any research. So I have these like media driven narrative right. impressions of what Burning Man is. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like this, this impression of what Burning right. Man is right now, which is like, oh, it's a place where Silicon Valley bros go and just like, I uh, do mushrooms. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what? I mean, I, that's not wrong. <laughs> okay. So like, and it's just kind of weird hippie like culture. And, yeah. the, and then what they're going to do is once they, they do visit this mm-hmm. thing, they'll come back and tell you how amazing it is. Exactly. 
Yeah, <laughs> that, like that's, that's exactly what you're right. doing right okay, now. So, so, so my, the, I, th- I think, I, I think I have good writing skills. I think if you read my article, I, I think it's I'm one of the, one of the best ways to accept Burning Man, the Burning Man vision for what it is. And, and so, like the article is titled "Burning Man Through the Crypto Lens." So, yeah. if you are a crypto person, you will be able to understand Burning Man at a very deep level. I well, say. it's also interesting because now I get to f- feel what a normie feels like when they, <laughs> when they <laughs> hear about, about crypto. crypto. <laughs> they yeah. invited to uh-huh. a bankless podcast. All right, we got some takes of the week. Uh, David, this uh, first one is from Vance Spencer regarding a socket investment. That was a big investment that they made this week. Um, he mm-hmm. says regarding socket, I continue to believe that the way the market thinks about L2s is wrong in the media medium term. Probably Ooh. doesn't matter where your contracts are deployed or if you have your own L2 if the contracts are networked and socket is how to get those connected. Just some background, Socket is kind of like a interoperability bridge type tech, mm-hmm. you know, connect right. all the L2s, that sort of thing. Yep. Vance goes on, said another way, the interop protocols will accrue more value than the L2s themselves over the longer term, especially if there are a lot or too many L2 chains. The investment, uh, this investment in Socket is a view on the likely fragmentation of contracts over too many chains and the value of networking them. Okay, so one thing to say is Vance, of course, is a VC. This is a bag that he bought. So he's, of course, excited about um, Socket and what it's doing. But uh, we are also I, investors in Socket. Uh, that's true. Yes, angel investors. Yeah. Um, but I also think that this is an interesting take, which is very contrary to something that that I believe, yeah. which is that actually L2 super chains will yeah. be the main value accrual uh, mechanism of this uh-huh. new frontier that we're building out in crypto. Mm-hmm. Vance is saying, uh-uh, that's not right. true. It's actually the interop protocols themselves. Yeah. It's like the sockets and the bridging tech layer themselves. What do you think about this? I think that there's likely a tension between these two things. Um, so you have the optimism super chain. You have like all the super chains. Like I just list them all. Like ZK Sync, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's doing a super chain. Um, and there's going to be individual singular one-off chains as well. So not, in, not only are there like perhaps a plethora of super chains, but that's also, they also have like, what about Aztec? That is going to be a single chain. Like, what about all the other single specific chains like Starkware or StarkNet? So there's, in addition to the super chains, there's also individual chains. And so while I totally agree that the growth of super chains will be how interoperability happens, like, you're just elevating the problem to one dimension higher, and it's still the same problem of interoperability between super chains and independent chains. There's a tension between these two things. Um, Yeah, I guess my take is, so, so again... You're saying a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. My take, mm-hmm. though, is super chains will be like power law winners. And they, within mm-hmm. the super chains, will kind of solve the interoperability problem themselves. Like, I right. don't think there's going to be like, you know, I think, 50 I think different that, super what chains. that means, though, is that there's actually going to be one super chain that is a power law winner. Because if yeah. there's multiple super chain winners, then I think you we get still like, need their interoperability. I think we get like three to four big economic zones, yeah. similar to, you know, how we have like, big economic zones, you know, today mm-hmm. we have kind of like the Western Europe and mm-hmm. America economic zone. We have like, you know, China, Asia yeah. economic zone. Anyway, who knows though? He yeah. could be right. This is what I, we're I do think that now. between this socket thesis playing out, there, there are other socket alternative competitors out there. So there's more than this, this one. Um, like layer also, zero would be one. I mean, there's a lot of big yeah, valuation ones. Li- Li-Fi, Leafy uh, yeah. is one as well. Um, maybe Chainlink CCIP. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Um, uh, but what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah. So like one of the big like things that the Solana people will pound their chest about is like single shared state because of the composability. This is like Ethereum fracturing into many, many layer twos to achieve scale and decentralization and sovereignty over your chain. And then socket and super chain type energy, like reforming the composability back together. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Oh, this is another take. This one's mine. You want to read it? Sure. Uh, Ryan, Sean, Adam says, if you're still in crypto and manage to hold your private keys through all the scams, rugs, hacks, phishing, fake yield, and populist demagogues, then I think you're going to do just fine this century. It's everyone else I'm worried about. <laughs> I feel like so hard and I feel like we are kind of like yeah. the veterans on the frontier. Like we're learning about security, rug pulls, you know, populism, how, you know, what to trust online, all of these things in a very accelerated timeline. And mm -hmm. these are all skills that everyone else is going to learn even and need to learn uh, for the rest of the 21st century. Like even things like securing your private keys, right? I look at like, um, I don't know, password management for like, you know, my legacy uh, banks and, you know, uh, financial accounts. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are so, this is so far yeah. behind. Right. So if you can hold your private keys, uh, you're doing just fine. And if you haven't, if you haven't been fished yet, or even if you have been fished yet, maybe that's a good learning lesson uh, in itself. But um, I think these are all 21st century skills that we're all going to need pretty soon. I agree. Uh, David, what are you bullish on, man? Okay, I've got, it's right behind me. Um, it's a picture. I'm going to pull it out as soon as I tell a story. Okay, so I, I tweeted out this photo that you see on screen. Uh, oh boy, that's a lot of stuff. And this is, this is like a classic backpacker's picture where they put, lay out all of their gear before they go backpacking. So this was in May, right before I did like that's my four crazy. months. Yeah, that's a huge amount of stuff. July. Yeah, right, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Actually, that was, that was actually, there was more stuff. Um, anyways, so someone, this hooded Pepe, uh, replies to this and goes, is this Kath Simmered approved? And tags this individual, Kath Simmered. No idea who Kath Simmered is. Uh, but I click in and I find, uh, if you want to go, yeah, and I find that she's a, an NFT artist, a photographer, and she has this mint that is currently live and two thirds minted out, which is a piece titled Above the Noise. And I just love it. Um, fun she fact. Did she take this photo? Not only did she take that, this photo, that this is This is a real as, photo? As a, it's kind of. Uh, she is a di photographer, digital artist. So this is a composite. Ah. So it's a number of photos slapped together and that's kind of Beautiful. like her deal. Um, she's, a, she, she's a hybrid adventurer, photo photographer, digital artist. The first money Ryan and I ever made was actually as photography. Mm. Um, me and my dad would just go backpacking and I would bring my Nikon and I would take some pictures. And that's like kind of like the first skill set I developed as a young adult. Uh, and like I sold these photos as prints. And then, mm. and, and then I went to college and like the, the, that was like kind of how I paid for like, you know, slush fund money in college. I would take like sorority pictures. So <laughs> yeah. Do you ever do weddings? I never did a wedding, okay, no. But like, but then, okay. but then going and doing that, like doing taking like sorority photos in college, it like took the soul out of it because I wanted to do landscapes. Yeah. But landscape, like monetizing my landscape photos, was like really hard. And I wasn't. I mean, I was for what I was. I was an okay photographer, but I'm not a professional. And so, like, I didn't have a mechanism to generate revenue as a photographer. And then I also got interested in psychology. And then the you know, blah 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 blah. Fast forward. Now I'm a podcaster. Um, but I find this NFT mint. I'm like, wow, I'm about to go climbing all these mountains. And there's this NFT photographer who is this adventurer person taking mountain photos, selling them <laughs> for ether. And so I mint it. And so I mint it and I, just, I purchased it via Cass Simmered. And then I watched this. This is back like, in July. I see this is back in July, July yeah. first. She has this crazy, the NFT now, the, the NFT media company, NFT, bankless NFT, I'll call them, uh, did this like great, video uh, essay about Kath Simmer, the artist, which I highly recommend. We'll put it into the show notes. Uh, so I watched that and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And so I hit her up on Telegram. Fun fact, she's also a dick butt holder. <laughs> so she's in the dick butt Telegram with me. And then, okay, so I'll pull out the picture. And so I bought a print and now I've got, now I've got it, right? Wow. It's super cool. 
That's great. So now, the, now I now I have to go frame it and put it up. I, I can't put it in frame, but here we go. So uh, the moral of the story is, um, I don't know, you're, you can monetize your hobbies. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on, I know this was, this is a very like big 2021 take, but I'm bullish on uh, new monetization mechanisms for, for NFT digital artists, artists that yeah. didn't previously have them and also artist uh, collector relations. Because now like now her and I just like chat about stuff and it's been pretty cool. That's creator economy stuff, man. That's yeah. the uh -huh. pretty, you know, right. Really, so like in 2021, it was theory, and this yeah. is practice. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's, we we we're not in the in the fervor of uh, you know JPEG mania right. here, so yeah. we can actually yeah, yeah. be cool and sober yeah. and appreciate the art a bit more. Oh, and the title of the piece, Brian, is above the noise. While you and I are talking about, man, there's a lot of dumb bankless haters <laughs> out there. I'm gonna stay above the noise. I'm like, oh, I thought all of it like wove together very very well. That's awesome. You know, another thing I was thinking, by the way, is I'm so glad we don't have to fight the FUD that uh, NFTs are bad for the environment this cycle. Yeah, right. <laughs> you yeah, know, because gonna be nice. uh, we're going to get something else, but at least work won't be is that. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. That was what I'm bullish on. I'm bullish on uh, NFTs <laughs> in a 2021 I capacity. Get it. Uh, what are you bullish on, Ryan? I am bullish on a new product we're releasing. It's called Claimables, Ooh. all right? Ooh. It's uh, this bankless. Ooh. This is a little sneak peek here, okay? These are my wallets on the bankless website. This is in staging, so I'm actually, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to show this screen, so I'll, I'll flick off it really quick. But this is uh, based on, we uh, acquired a company called Earnify, which we've talked about on the roll-up mm -hmm. a, a few yep. times. And what it does is you plug in your addresses, and it identifies all of the on-chain opportunities that you might have. So were you eligible for an airdrop? Were you eligible for an NFT mint? Uh, an allow list, for instance. Um, did you deposit some funds inside, pulled together, and you won a prize maybe that week? Well, you just plug your addresses into Earnify, and mm -hmm. it um, yeah, tells you what, you what you've earned, uh, what, what you can claim. This is a, a product that we're now integrating into the Bankless website. It's called Claimables. We're very excited about it. All right. That is dropping next Monday. If you're a bankless citizen, you will have access to this. Well, you will have access to this. Uh, so this last week, uh, Connext Airdrop went live. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we actually have the numbers for people who have loaded up their address inside of the bankless app. $62 million US dollars, fiat dollars, are claimable of the Connext Airdrop to Earnify subscribers. So we know that bankless listeners, citizens, whoever pays for the, for the service, $62 million is up for grabs. There, the last we checked, $18 million of the expiring soon TM Arbitrum airdrop is still yet to be claimed, which is how we know that like there's A, this is valuable, and B, there's work to do. Y'all still need to claim $18 million of Arbitrum. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you listener. Well, maybe they don't know about it. This is like back to kind of tools that um, mm -hmm. you know we're, we're building because we want ourselves is mm -hmm. I don't have a way to like scan through all of my wallets right. and identify all of the things I'm eligible for apart from right. this tool, apart from Earnify. Right. And now tool. we're building in claimables. So anyway, bankless citizens, uh, if you've been waiting for a reason to upgrade to bankless citizenship, that this might be it. There's always a link in the show notes for you. Of course, you get the bankless premium feed as well. Yeah. RSS yeah, the, feed, the, no the commercials. Ad free, the ad-free bankless yeah. premium feed. All the get through stuff. the podcast seven minutes faster. Um, all right, David, I got a meme of the week for you. And this, this is going to take a little bit of explaining. I think it oh, also yeah. ties into the, the moment of Zen. 
Okay, but... Um, oh, I didn't know we had a moment of zen. Well, you know what? We're going to make this the moment of zen. So I'm going to get through disclosures first, then we're going to go mm-hmm. through the kind of the meme, the moment of zen. So a few things to disclose. Uh, David and I are investors and advisors to Optimism. We're also members of the Rocket Pool ODAO. We mentioned Rocket Pool today. And uh, I'm an advisor to Polygon. I'm an investor in Reflexor Labs and Arbitrum and also Socket, as we mentioned. Uh, gotta let you know as well. We are long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to all full bankless disclosures in the show notes. Uh, and of course, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west, it's the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. All right, let's set up this moment of Zen. David, this is what I was thinking. This video clip from Rick and Morty was mm-hmm. what I was thinking the entire time we were doing that episode this week with uh, Dom. Oh, we're talking about- un- unreleased episode that bankless listeners haven't heard. Of. Yes, and we're talking about this concept called blobs. And blob space. Blob space. Yeah. And I was thinking, how am I going to explain this to my family? Like mm-hmm. the podcast that I just did. And uh, everything I heard Dom talking, we were talking about polynomials. We we're talking about dank sharding and proto dank sharding. Erasure coding. Erasure coding. And Erasure EIP coding is not real. I just made that up. No, just actually, that's, it, is, it is real. It that's is real. real. <laughs> that is a real one. But you wouldn't know. Yeah, it's all of these crazy <laughs> words. And I was just thinking the entire time when, when Dom was talking, I was thinking of this clip from Rick and Morty. We'll play it now. Everyone has a plumbus in their home. First, they take the dingle bop and they smooth it out with a bunch of schleem. The schleem is then repurposed for later batches. They take the dingle bop and they push it through the grumbo where the fleeb is rubbed against it. It's important that the fleeb is rubbed because the fleeb has all of the fleeb juice. Then a shlami shows up and he rubs it and spits on it. They cut the fleeb. There's several hizzards in the way. The blamps rub against the trumbles and the plubis and grumbo are shaved away. That leaves you with a regular old plumbus. Uh, why don't you do it? Because Murphy's barking. Hold on. Oh, okay. okay, I can do it. Shut up, Murphy! <laughs> Hold on. That's a good blooper. God, Murphy. <laughs> you hear it? Is it loud? Yeah, yeah, I hear it. I can do it. No, no, no. He's almost, he's almost done. I can feel it. 